Ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight from the Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472-1111 or in the CNMI at 323-1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671-686-9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masih Ideon. And good evening, Hafadeh. Good evening. Welcome back to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masih, and I'm here this evening with my dear brother, Scotty. Good afternoon, Scotty. Good evening. Good evening and good afternoon, Pastor. Wonderful. Well, it's great to be back again. I've been gone for two weeks uh, conducting a Bible series off-island, and it's great to be back home and to share messages straight from the Bible. But before we do that, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer as we ask God's special blessing and guidance. Let's pray together. Oh, dear loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be here to study your word. And Father, with the many questions that come in and that have come in, We pray, Father, for your wisdom and that you be our teacher. Please make the word clear to us that we may not only understand it, but rejoice in it and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it is great to be back again, Scotty. I know while I was away, we had a lot of emails come in and questions come in. And so we're going to go to our email questions. But if you would like to call in uh, for a live call and make your call, your question, once again, that's 472-1111, 472-1111 if you're in Guam. And in the beautiful CNMI, it's 323-1113. That's 323-1113. And you can also catch us on f- Facebook, which I believe is at Joy FM Radio. Is that correct, yes, Scotty? Yes. Okay. No spaces. No spaces. <laughs> so check us out on the radio or either on the um, Facebook live stream as well. Let's go straight into the Bible today, Scott. Yes. Our first question for this evening is, Carol asks, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, what does it mean? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And thank you, Carol, for your, your question. You know, Carol is a very faithful uh, person who calls in with her questions. And 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, is that correct, Scotty? Yes. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And it reads, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Uh, this particular section is about salvation for all men mm-hmm. uh, given to us through Christ. And what makes this one a very special text is that uh, there is now a go-between between us and God. Whereas that was impossible before because we could not save ourselves. Uh, not by our own works, and nobody else could save us. And in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 15, we find the promise of the seed that would one day come, who would set us free from the bondage of sin and give us the ability, or give us the supernatural power, his power rather alone, Mm -hmm. to be able to not only make us new, but to keep us new. And who is that? Of course, it's uh, Christ Jesus. Yes. And so Jesus, uh, the Bible says uh, in Timothy that he is there in heaven being our mediator, meaning if we have sins uh, that we need to confess, Mm -hmm. we can confess straight to him in heaven. If we need strength and power, we can pray to him right there in heaven. And he is our high priest ready to give us forgiveness 
and ready to give us power to overcome our sins. Mm -hmm. But I like the way it ends, Scotty. It ends with the man, Christ Jesus. It doesn't say the God, Christ Jesus, or the Son of God, Christ Jesus. It says the man. Christ was 100% God and 100% human. Mm -hmm. And so although he's there in heaven, he still has his glorified human form. Isn't that beautiful, Scotty? That is. Because now he's there. I mean, how would you feel if you had a relative in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, the same flesh and blood as you, who knows you inside and out, and now you have a relative there or a friend there who you know who's got your back? Oh, that's a nice feeling. And that's exactly why it emphasizes the man, Christ Jesus. We have somebody there who understands our trials mm-hmm. and temptations, and he's there uh, interceding for us and as our mediator so we can call upon him even now and at any time of the day. Yes. Amen, Pastor. Amen. Okay, we have a caller from Saipan. Wonderful. Why do we study the scriptures and the Bible? Why do we study the scriptures and the Bible? The Bible says it is for correction, it is for instruction in righteousness, and evidently, I mean, and really the main thing is John five thirty nine, where the Bible says, Search ye the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. That's Jesus speaking. So the heart and soul of, of searching and reading the Bible is to uh, discover Christ in all his beauty and all of his fullness. And not only discover him, but discover ways to love him and to discover the power that gives us the, uh, the actual ability by God's grace to be able to love him and be faithful to him. And of course, uh, to find salvation. For all salvation is centered around Christ and his sacrifice. So, in short, we study the Bible to not only discover wonderful truths, not only to discover the the beauty of its poetry and the beauty of its science, but also to mainly discover Jesus and accept him as our Lord and Savior and to be saved and to be with him in his kingdom. All right. I believe we have a caller, so we're going to wait for the question to come in. And I know there was another question that was in the email, and the question was, why is God described as a jealous God? Isn't jealousy wrong? Why is God described as a jealous God? And, and he's described that in, in uh, Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, where he describes himself as a jealous God. You know, the word jealousy, uh, d- depending on how it's used, could have different meaning. In my local language, my native language, my native tongue is Palawan. When we translate this into Palawan, that same word, I am a jealous God, it's actually not the same word that we would normally translate for jealousy. We have two words. You have me, which is more like uh, envy, the envious kind of jealousy, mm-hmm. and then you have mangrirs uh, or be'irirs or mangrirs. Mangrirs is more of, it has to do more with a relationship, typically with a marriage or some kind of relationship that would be romantic. And so God is rightly jealous, not in the envious kind, but in the rightful sense that we are married to him as the church. And because we are married to him, he wants to be protective of our relationship, of our marriage of the church with him. And this is why he's described as a jealous God, not the kind of jealousy that wants to pull others down, right. or that is envious of others and wants to do any bad things. No, no, it's not that kind of jealousy. It's the kind of jealousy that has the um, 
that understands that there is a, a boundary in this lawful relationship, and they want to protect it as best as they can uh, from harm. Wow. Pastor, I'm really glad that you brought up the jealousy part because I heard so many people saying that the reason why that they're jealous is because our God is also jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on how it's used. You know, it's... right. Yeah, like I said, it's it, 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 most people. The, the mo, usually the word that people associate with is, is envy, mm. and that's really the kind of uh, jealousy that we kind of frown upon. Right. The Bible condemns, yes. but the kind of jealousy that's healthy is the kind of jealousy God has uh, yes. had with us. It's not the kind of angry kind. <laughs> it's it's the one where it's um, it's it's lawful, mm-hmm. meaning uh, this is my bride, and Christ is saying I must protect her and guard her and uh, protect our relationship. Yeah, that's exactly what, what that is. Amen. And so, no, it's not uh, just, uh, you know, God jealous like the, the rest of us. It's a different <laughs> kind of jealousy. All right, we're going to go to the next question. Okay. What happens when we die? Do we go to heaven or hell? Jesus told the thief on the cross that one day you will be with me in paradise. Does this mean we go to heaven? Oh, wonderful question. Uh, this is something that we have uh, uh, talked on the air and for those of you who may want a specific study guide on this particular topic, please go ahead and call in, and we'll make a study guide available to you. Where do people go when they die? You know, the Bible is pretty uh, consistent in in saying that people essentially go to sleep, or they uh, they simply cease to exist. Mm-hmm. You don't go directly to heaven, and you don't go directly to hell. Now, people may use the example of the thief on the cross. Uh, let's go ahead and go there. I believe it's in the book of Luke, chapter 23, uh, verse 43. So Luke 23, verse 43 is the example that the, the questioner used. And it says this. We'll begin in verse uh, 42. And he said unto Jesus, who is the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What a beautiful prayer. It is. Although when everybody looked at Jesus as uh, as a as a malefactor, as a as a bad person, as a you know, as just a really as a criminal, and yet the very thief who was right next to him looked at him as the son of God, mm-hmm. and he realized who he was, and he asked him, "Please remember me when you walk when, when you go into your kingdom." And Jesus then says this: Jesus says, "Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise." Oh. And so we look at that, and it almost seems as if Jesus is saying. Um, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. But how does this harmonize with all the other parts of the Bible that tell us that death is asleep? I'm thinking of John uh, chapter 11, where Jesus plainly says, well, first he says, Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples say, well, that's good that he's sleeping. And then Jesus makes it plain, and he plainly says, Lazarus is dead. And so all throughout the Old Testament and in the New, you find death being compared uh, to asleep, meaning you simply cease to be. Like when a light goes off, the light doesn't travel anywhere else. It simply ceases to exist. But then we come to this text and it, it may trouble you because you look at it and you said, well, didn't Jesus there said, today I will be with you. Uh, today you shall be with me in paradise. So didn't Jesus take him to paradise that day? Didn't he go to heaven that day? Well, to explain that, we, we have to go back uh, to uh, the way the Bible was written first, or rather, the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. And in the Greek, they had no punctuations. 
They had no comma. They had no periods. They had no exclamation points. So those who translated the Bible from the Greek and put it to English, they had to do their very best mm-hmm. in order to, to make it um, you know, as sensible as, as it can be. And they did their very, very best. And sometimes, of course, they may have missed something. And this is one of those places. It doesn't change it to make it a bad text. It simply uh, it makes more sense when we, uh, when we look at it correctly. So here it is. So it says, Verily I say unto thee, comma, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So what if we simply move the comma to after today? Then it changes the meaning. Mm. It says, Verily I say unto thee today, that thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so you simply move the comma and it's changed mm-hmm. the whole meaning of the text. An example that I commonly use is one that says this, a sentence without a comma, a woman without her man is nothing. Mm. Now, a lady might be hearing that and said, and she may say, Pastor, <laughs> I don't like that. But now let's put the comma at different places. Mm-hmm. So a woman, comma, without her, comma, man is nothing. Oh, wow. Has it changed the, the yeah. whole meaning? What a difference it makes. Complete difference. Mm-hmm. And so here in, in Luke 23, 43, we find the same thing. In simply moving the comma, we then uh, find that it harmonizes then with everything that the Bible has said. But you say, wait a minute, Pastor. You can't just you know, move a comma and think that you, know, it, it can, you can change the meaning. I mean, that, that may, may be wrong. But you see, then we go to the, the book of John. And do you remember when Mary Magdalene came to the tomb? And as she came to the tomb, she was uh, weeping because she thought that someone had taken the body of her beloved right. Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels on the head and on the foot of the uh, where Jesus was lying. And in her tears, she turned around and somebody was there and she thought it was the gardener. Right. And then Jesus said her name, Mary, and her eyes opened and, and she saw that, oh, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. So she said, oh, Rabboni. So she knelt down to worship him. And then Jesus says, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Mm-hmm. Now, what day of the week is this when he says this? This is Sunday morning, Sunday, the first yes. day of the week. And when did he say to the thief, I surely say unto you today, you'll be with me in paradise? That was a Friday. Friday. So if, here we are. He made that promise on Friday. And then on Sunday morning, he's saying, I have not yet ascended to my father. So did Jesus go to heaven that Friday, if that's uh, what we, uh, we would accept? Mm-hmm. And from the words of Jesus himself, he said, no, I have not gone there yet. That's right. And so once again, it harmonizes with the rest of the Bible that says that uh, death is asleep. And uh, yes, there is a heaven. And yes, there is a time where mm-hmm. things will be uh, eradicated with the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what happens when we die is the short answer. As the Bible says, we simply uh, cease to be or we simply sleep. Yes, and we're just waiting for his voice. Yes. Like what Mary heard to recognize that yes. it is Jesus. I love that, Scotty. That's yes. a beautiful way to say it. it I is. love that. Wow. Amen. Well, we have a caller on okay, the phone, great. Pastor. His name is Lou. Lou. And I'm going to bring him in. Sure. Go right ahead, Scotty. Yes. Hello, Brother Lou. You're on the air. Hey there, Lou. Good afternoon. Good evening.
text already, and I bring her in the northern. Yes. Last uh, Sabbath. But uh, I think uh, he is uh, always resisting the Holy Spirit. Okay. But every time I share to him the word of God, he always uh, contradicts. Okay. Brother Lou, I'm really sorry to hear about, about uh, your sister you being very sick. Can you get closer to your phone, Say it again. Can you get closer to your phone? Oh, yes, yes, of course. And so I'd like to say, you know, I really, really am so sorry that uh, your sister is sick with cancer. Yeah. That's yes, such a... Yes. You know, for a text that I would share, uh, let me share a special text that I love in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And sometimes people may not uh, like what we have to say, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You can simply pray for them. You don't have to push them. Uh, you know, be very loving and genuine to them. And when you see an open opportunity, then you can share promises with them. Yes. And I'd like to share a promise that I genuinely love in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And it says this. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. The Bible says in Revelation 3, 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. That's a beautiful promise of how Jesus is knocking on the door of the heart. Mm -hmm. He is the one that wants to come in. And all that we have to do is open the door and not simply open, but to invite him to come in. And the promise is that he will come in and be in our hearts. May that promise uh, be a blessing for you and your sister when you see the right opportunity. May you be able to, to, to share with her, and we'll pray for her as well. And we're so sorry to hear that, but we'll, we'll really be praying for her. Yes. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, too, brother. I think, Pastor, we had technical difficulties earlier. Okay. So he was listening on the air. Okay, great. Yes. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you Thank you for that verse. Absolutely. Well, let's take a moment to pray for his sister right now. Yes. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we want to take this time to pray for Lou's sister. Lord, she is very sick, and so we're humbly asking that you please be near her. Father, hold her close. Give her comfort. Look upon her with love. Speak words of comfort mm -hmm. and, and soothing words to her. Yeah. And Lord, in a very special way, may you heal her according to your will. And far more, O oh Lord, may you reside in her heart that she may continue to, uh, to know you and accept you as her Lord and Savior that no matter what may come, the future is bright because mm -hmm. you're coming soon to take us home. Yes. We thank you, Father. We pray again for Lou's sister now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer for Brother Lou, Pastor. All right, we have a question from our WhatsApp line, our text line. It's from, oh, here it is. I got it. It's from Romans chapter 7, Pastor. Romans 7. Verse 13 through 18. It's a long one. Romans seven thirteen through 18. Okay. Yes. I, I can read it. It says, Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandments might become exceeding sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Mm. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. That's verse 18. 
you know, the writer of this is Paul. And if you if you read this set of passages, you see mm-hmm. him struggling yeah. between right and wrong and within himself. And you see a man who's desperate for help. And wow. these particular set, set of verses and, and the whole chapter, really, this is talking about the relationship between um, uh, the law to sin and how the law, the law has almost become, and I'm going to say this carefully because I don't want to be misunderstood, mm-hmm. how the law is almost a strength to sin because we're condemned by it. And so I, I want to be sure I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. misunderstands me. The law is perfect and just and good. Wow. And it is the reflection of God's character. It is God's transcribed character. But here's the problem. We cannot keep it in our own power. Right. And so because we cannot keep it, we keep on sinning. Uh, the law condemns us because sin is wrong. That's right. Because the Bible says, um, you know, transgression is the breaking of the law. And so in that sense, it's, it's almost as if that, it's almost as if the law is helping sin, or should I say, it's almost um, condemning us because of the sin we commit. Mm-hmm. And so Paul is saying this. He's saying, I am, I am really wrestling because the things in me, I, I know what to do right, but I, I can't do it or I do wrong. So Paul is talking about something um, within everybody, mm. and that is this tendency, this natural bent within us to evil. And that's what he's, he's trying to show, that there's wrestling mm. between uh, his spiritual life mm-hmm. and his fleshly carnal self. And so the flesh or the carnal self or the, the life that is not... Um, is not controlled by God or is not blessed by God or moved by God. We want to naturally do whatever we want to do. Mm. And so when a Christian then wants to live faithfully, all of a sudden he begins to feel those things. He feels this thing within him that wants to do evil, or rather he recognizes it. And so when he then tries to do right, he realizes, man, this is hard. I can't. And the law, quote unquote, condemns him because it, it tells him all that we're not doing right. Now, does that mean then, does Paul said, do, does that mean we, we get rid of the law? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> and, and this is what it is. The law, what it does, it points out our sins, but what it also does, it also points us to the one who can bear our sins. And, and that's the point. That's why he's talking about this wrestling within himself. His wrestling to want to do right, but he feels the in his carnality mm. that he wants to do what he wants to do. And he realizes that he is condemned by that. But he realizes that, you know, I need hope. Mm-hmm. And if you keep on reading all the way down, he actually says in verse 24, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall, who shall deliver me from this body, from the body of this death? He said, I need help. Yeah. Somebody help me. Mm-hmm. And look at how he ends it. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And you see, that's the answer. Jesus is the answer. Friend, if you're wrestling with a sin and if you're struggling, that's good news. Because it means that God is speaking to your mind. It means that you're conscious of the things that you may do wrong. But here's the thing. God doesn't want you to simply... Uh, live in remorse and sit down on the couch of 
of sorrow. Mm -hmm. He wants you to look up because the law is pointing you to the one who can save you, and that is Jesus. So although we cannot of our own selves keep the law because we're condemned by it, Mm -hmm. because we just can't, yet the law points us to Jesus, who is able to cleanse us from the sins we've committed and then is able to give us the power to live the law. And as you go down to chapter 8, uh, verse 1, that's why it's, uh, he continues on. There is therefore now no condemnation wow. to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those who, who have now accepted Christ to do for them what they cannot do for themselves, they cannot be condemned by the law. Because one, they've been forgiven, and two, mm-hmm. because God is now giving them the power to live it. Whereas they could not do it before by themselves, now, by the power of God, they're able to be faithful. And that's why it's such a beautiful, beautiful passage. Wow. You see him wrestling and wrestling, mm-hmm. and then he says, oh, I found it. I thank God through <laughs> Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, victory with Jesus at yes, the end. Yes, yes, it nice. is victory with Jesus, yes. We have a question from Facebook, Pastor. Great. And it says, does the Bible say anything about cremation? Does the Bible say anything about cremation? Boy, that's a heavy, not a heavy topic. It's actually something that I myself am still studying out. Mm. And I'm going to take a pause and and let you know that I'm going to study it out and then get back to you on that one, please, if I may. There are some places, I mean, well, for me personally, um, there there has not been any specific command that I've seen uh, either for it or against it from what I have seen. And I've, I have not seen a scripture that has blatantly made it very clear that we ought not to cremate right. or that we can cremate. And there are many reasons for cremation people may have. Mm-hmm. I mean, some people just may have burned to death. I think of the, the reformers and many other mm-hmm. people. The martyrs. Yeah, the martyrs as well. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they themselves... Um, uh, were involuntarily cremated. And so I'm going to take a, uh, a, th- a thank you for the question. It's something that I myself am still studying it out. By next week, on next next trade from the Bible, I'll have a definite answer for you. Oh, nice. And uh, if, But thank you for your patience. Yes, there's It is a lot something of, I'm still studying out myself. And there's a lot of mixed emotions with cremation. Yes, yes, there, there is. is. Yes, there really is. So please give me a week to study it out, and I'll get back to you uh, this coming straight from the Bible. Thank you for your question. I really like it. As you hear, that's our music for the break. But if you have a Bible question, go ahead and give us a call, 671-472-1111 on Guam. Or in the CNMI, 670-323-1113. We're live on Facebook. You can leave your question in the comment section, and we'll answer it right away. We'll be right back. This is Pastor Dave with another Step to Christ. Christ draws us to look upon Him, the One who took our sins to the cross. In doing so, the commandment comes home to the conscience. Our wickedness and deep-seated sin of the soul is revealed to us. We begin to comprehend something of the righteousness of Christ and exclaim, What is sin that it should require such a sacrifice for the redemption of its victim? Was all this love, suffering, and humiliation required that we might not perish but have everlasting life. If sinners do not resist the love of Jesus, a knowledge of the plan of salvation will lead them to the foot of the cross in repentance. 
God is speaking to our hearts and creating an inexpressible craving for something we don't have. To receive your free copy of the book Steps to Christ, call us here at Life Talk at 1-800-775-4673. Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question in Guam, it's 472-1111. In the Sinai, it's 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us now for the second half of Straight from the Bible. All right, welcome back to Straight from the Bible after that short break. And we left uh, Scotty with that question about cremation. That's a yes, great question. It is. I'm and always wondering about that question it, myself. It's, it's something I've never truly thought about until mm-hmm. I moved here to Guam. And when people would bring it up, I've it's never something I'd really studied it out. Oh. And so thank you for the person who raised it. I'm going to go ahead and study it out myself this, this week and get as much uh, resources as I can from the Bible mm-hmm. so that I can give you a, a biblical answer. So thank you for patience, and we'll be looking forward to the answer next week, Monday. Yes. Thank you, Pastor. We have a question uh, from... Last week, the lady asked on the phone about a, a Bible called Sefer. Away from the Sefer Bible or just study the Bible itself? Okay, great question. Uh, now, the Sefer Bible is something that I myself uh, have just learned about. It's not something I've, I've ever heard of until very recently. Mm-hmm. Now, what is good to understand is that the Sefer, those who at least produce the Sefer Bible, uh, they'll say on their website that they don't, cons- they don't call it a Bible. Mm-hmm. So they themselves wouldn't necessarily call it uh, a Bible. And so with the Sefer Bible, there are some books that uh, they have added to that one, uh, books that I'm not familiar with myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about it to be able to uh, give you a biblical answer. However, I do know that I do know that at least most Bible scholars have agreed that uh, much of it is um, it may not be historically accurate. Uh-huh. And so that's only from the surface uh, research that I've done uh, regarding the Sefer Bible. Um, and so remember, well, I, I can't call it a Sefer Bible because they don't call it right. a Bible itself. They call it a divine book. Oh. And uh, so I've never actually read it myself. And touching on translations, remember that when it comes to the Bible, you have two kinds of quote-unquote translations. You have the actual translation, mm-hmm. and then you have something called paraphrases. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're looking, if you're doing a very, if you want to get the closest um, uh, English uh, translation to the original, then there are some versions, of course, that, that I would recommend. For me personally, I stick to the, the King James mm-hmm. uh, because that's as close as that, that I'm aware of uh, to the original, at least we have it in our possession. I use other versions, of mm-hmm. course. I use uh, the New King James. Mm-hmm. I use the, uh, the RSV, Revised Standard Version. I use the um, the NIV when it's appropriate. So some things and some translations are are okay to use if they stick to the original meaning. Mm. Uh, and but also be aware that some are simply paraphrases, where they simply they don't necessarily say the word for word. They simply give you kind of the overall uh, what what they think it means. Uh-huh. Okay. And so I don't know enough about the Sefer Bible. I can only say that. One, they themselves don't call it a Bible. Uh, there are additions to it that are what we call non-canonical, which means that they're not, they don't form the original closed canon 
of what we have today as the the full complete scriptures and uh, number two is that it's not a uh, number three and it's from what I've read uh, from most Bible scholars they don't necessarily uh, look upon it as historically accurate um, completely so uh, those are the three main things that at least for me at the outset on the surface that I would say if you're doing a very a doctrinal study and you want to really get as close to uh, the the meaning I would say choose a version that that would stay close to there uh, that would do that for you uh, King James or any other version that would stay close to the meaning uh, as well just open up the Bible itself and just choose which uh, version that you want I would research which version would be the closest mm -hmm. and then um, go ahead and, and study from there that's uh -huh. if you're doing a very deep doctrinal study oh, wow. now that, that doesn't mean I, I don't use other versions I really do use other versions uh -huh. when I want to get another um, another look or another way that it's said uh -huh. or a more modern a more modern uh -huh. translation uh -huh. then I use other versions yeah and typically for me in my own studies I really enjoy the King James Version uh, it's personally for me. When I first started reading it, mm -hmm. the thou's, the these, and all of that, it was very mm -hmm. difficult. <laughs> it, is. it was really hard, and I had a hard time reading it. But you know what I learned? I realized uh -huh. that, hey, this is still English. Yeah. I'm not learning a new language. It's still English. I, right. I could probably read it. And, and what's amazing today, Scotty, is I love the King James Version. Mm -hmm. uh, one, um, because it's, it's so beautiful as a language. And the King James Bible itself is uh, is known among um, you know scholars and those really into like you know historical writings mm -hmm. it is one of the most beautiful books uh, in terms of the English language mm -hmm. it's just beautiful um, in the English language and so of course you think of other works of writings like Shakespeare and all of that mm -hmm. and so the Bible itself as simply as a work of, of English right. as a simply as a, as a book itself in English it is uh, it is just beautiful and full of meaning yes it yes. is full of deep meaning so for me it's the closest that I have found at this point to when I want a very doctrinal study I go ahead and I use that uh, you can use other versions that are that's pretty much stay as close as uh, as they can so do a lot of research and see which one would uh, stay close to the, the, the meaning and also be aware that some are translations and some are paraphrases All so right. you can simply be aware of that all right. And we have a question from our text that came in. Pastor. Okay, if you're married and the lady doesn't want to doesn't want a divorce and if you find a girlfriend, is it considered adultery? I see. Good question. And vice versa. Good question. Well, we know that in the scriptures, uh, Jesus says that really there's only one main thing for divorce mm -hmm. or cause for divorce. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, is is adultery. You know, when God created marriage, um, he made marriage or he planned for marriage to last. Mm -hmm. And it would be something that was beautiful. And that would also, it would be something that would reflect heaven itself. It would be like a little heaven on earth. You know, um, really the Bible says there is only one. Now, there are many cases where people may choose to separate, mm -hmm. maybe for safety reasons or, or things of that nature. But for something like this that would involve... Um, possibly moving on or um, you know maybe should you move on or can you move on I think that may be what the questioner is asking right you know I would really say from this point I would really say sit down with uh, maybe your local pastor mm -hmm. and really explain to him the whole situation 
because there's far more to it than what we can give at a, at a radio show, right. segment like this. And so to be fair to you, I would really say sit down with your local pastor, tell him the full situation, and uh, uh, make sure he's a Bible-believing pastor, and then mm-hmm. he'll give you counsel, uh, because I know there may be more to the story. And so if you sit down with your local pastor and um, uh, seek, uh, you know, godly advice from him, mm-hmm. let him know your situation, and um, tell him more of uh, much more than what yes. you may be able to tell us here today. And... Uh, you know, may God be with you as you, as you work that out. Yes, it's not a not, not an easy thing, but it's, yes, it's, may that it's, be something that you can uh, sit down with somebody that you could have a longer time with, and that they can get the full story, so they can give you the right counsel. Yes, nice. Okay, we're moving on to Carol. Okay, asked to please explain Romans chapter eight, verse one, two, four. 13 and 16. Okay, great. Romans chapter 8 is kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier, and it's describing the spirit-filled life. Mm. And so um, Romans chapter, she said verse 1 and 2? Yes. Uh, Yes, so throughout the whole chapter, this is describing the spirit-filled life, how that we're saved by hope, how that although we are naturally condemned because of our sins, and yet there is hope because Jesus has come to forgive us our sin. Mm-hmm. And what Paul was saying, there's something in him that's, that wars against a holiness, wars against the law, wars against God. And that's our sinful nature, our sinful tendencies. And that's the challenge that God has. The one who really has a challenge is God, because God has to be able to save you and not save your sin also. But the problem is this. Our sins are, are part of us. Mm. We, by nature, want to do evil. Let me give you an example. You know, Scotty, let me ask you, and I ask this to a lots of, uh, you know, churches and kids whenever I see them. And uh, I think of two, of two animals in the sea, and let's say there's a dolphin. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them, would you want to be able to take a fish, and could you be able to feed a dolphin uh, with a fish in your hand? And they would say, oh, yeah, we could do that. We'd yeah. love to do that. And then I ask them the same question, but another animal, would you be willing to do that, but with a shark? Huh. Would you be willing to feed, hand feed a shark? And they say, oh, no, no. And then I ask him, well, why is that? I mean, the dolphin and the shark, they essentially, they both eat fish. Mm-hmm. Yes, they both have teeth, and they mm-hmm. both live in the water. So why would you not want to feed the shark when you want to feed the dolphin? Mm-hmm. And of course, you're, you're going to think, well, the, the shark is going to bite me. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Why would the shark bite you, but the dolphin wouldn't bite you? And, and that's the point. They are two opposite natures. One is naturally can be trained, one is naturally friendly, mm-hmm. while the other, by nature, cannot be trained. By nature, may bite off your hand along with that fish. And so by nature, that shark is not uh, going to act like a dolphin. No. And so if I was going to ask you, Scotty, which one do you think we are, a dolphin or a shark, what would you say? Oh, I would say both. <laughs> I asked about, uh, I asked some yeah. kids, and one boy went, I'm a dolphin. <laughs> and I said, I'm so sorry to tell you that we're actually all sharks. Oh, we're all sharks. Because by nature, Scott, that's uh-huh. what Paul is wrestling with here. His nature uh-huh. is sinful. And his nature knows that uh, he wa- it wants to do what it wants to do. Mm. And he's trying to be faithful to God. And yet he feels something in him, war against that desire. And friend, don't you ever feel that way too? Oh. Don't you ever feel like I'm really trying to be good, but yet why do I, why am I tempted to do these things mm-hmm. when I know that they're wrong? And that's the point. There's something within us, 
a bent, a sinful tendency to want to do evil. So we are by nature sinful. So now the challenge God ha- has is, how does he then save us, mm-hmm. but not save our sinful nature? And uh, here's the answer. I'm going to go to, I believe it's in First Peter. First Peter, I believe it's in First Peter. Let me see if I can find it. First Peter. And I'm going to see if I can find it real mm-hmm. quickly. And this is the nope. answer, oh. the promise. And while you're looking for that, my, my son always tells me, Dad, I want to do good, but something's telling me to do bad. Wow. Scotty, that's yeah. what Paul is saying. Oh. That's, exactly, that's exactly it. Your, your son is wise. <laughs> He's basically reflecting the words of Paul in, in a young child's language. He's saying, I want to do good, but something keeps telling me and making me to want to do something bad. Mm-hmm. And that's the point. And so the problem was our nature. And so, look at this in in Second Peter chapter one verse four. Second Peter chapter one verse four. It says this: "Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." The oh. problem is this: mm-hmm. What do we need to do in order to be saved? How does God save us? by changing our sinful nature to become a divine nature, meaning to change us from the inside until the very things that we naturally like, we now hate. Mm. And the things we used to hate, we now love. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Scotty, yeah. but I used to not want to pray. I used to not want to read the Bible. There were times I didn't, I didn't want to do these things. Mm. I didn't want to go to church. And for me, these things were unnecessary. But I knew that as I learn more about God, that there was a struggle between what I wanted to do and what I knew was the right thing to do. Right. And that's where it becomes a battle of two natures, the natural nature mm-hmm. or the spirit-filled, a divine nature that God is able to make you become. And so that's what God does. He is able to change us, and we then become uh, new people. And the very things that we were not able to do, we can now do. Yes. And so now the shark has become a dolphin, <laughs> a complete that's metamorphosis. Yeah. And, and, and that's what, what, what God is trying to do for us. And so Carol in, in, in Romans 8, it's a beautiful description of the spirit-filled life, how there is no condemnation uh, to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Nice. They have a new outlook on life, mm-hmm. and they have a new uh, divine-given uh, ability given by God mm-hmm. and uh, of course connected through God that they're able to live a faithful life Amen Nice Moving on to the next question Pastor and thank you for answering mm-hmm. Carol's question Carol always calls us for these Bible questions Thank you Carol we really appreciate yes. you your questions we really do enjoy them please keep calling mm-hmm. Now we're going to our next question what is the name of the fruit in the garden of Eden that Adam and Eve ate <laughs> A beautiful question. It is. And well, put a smile to my face. Yeah. <laughs> right? It did for me, too. I love the question. What is the name of the fruit uh, mm-hmm. that Adam and Eve ate? Right. Well, the Bible doesn't say. It actually never says what kind of fruit it is. You know, of course, some people will say, well, it was an apple because, you know, the Adam's apple. Right. Well, it, uh, no, it, it wasn't an apple. The Bible never says an apple. And the answer is we don't know. Hopefully one day uh, uh, God will be able to tell us. He'll reveal it to mm-hmm. us what it was. But at this point, uh, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us uh, what kind of fruit it was. 
Yep, but what we do know that we were supposed to stay away from it. Yes, it's pleasant. Yes. It was pleasant to us, and it was a, it was a good fruit. And and, and we yes, when God says stay away from something, the wise thing to do is to stay away. Yes, and it's always for our good. Yep, and and it it brought us sin. It you know we just went downhill from from Absolutely. there. Absolutely. You ever re- remember, Pastor, when when our mom would say stay away from that yes and what would happen after we would face the consequences mm-hmm. the punishment yeah yeah and that's exactly what we're doing and you know what's amazing about that story scotty is mm-hmm. some people think it's just about a fruit but it right. really isn't just about a fruit you know it's about a law you know, the ten commandment mm-hmm. law now you see if you look at uh if you look at the story um the bible says that the law has been there since uh you know the since forever. But when you look at that story, who did the tree belong to? Who did the fruit belong to? It belonged to God. Yes. And what did God say? Please don't uh, touch it. Touch it. And, or, and so what did Eve do? She took something that didn't belong to her. Right. What do you call when you take something that doesn't belong to you? Stealing. Stealing. Thou shalt not steal. steal. And then, of course, um, uh, did she did she honor her father? Her father, Heavenly Father, said, don't do it. And did she listen to her heavenly father? And the answer is no. And the, one of the commandments says, honor thy father and thy mother. And so already she's broken too. And if you actually study it out further, you'll see that she's broken more than that. Mm-hmm. And the book of James chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says that you only need to break one. And how many have you broken? All of them. You've broken them all. So it wasn't about the fruit. It was about the fact that God said not to do something. And they went ahead and they did it. So they actually broke a law. Mm. And that's why it was sin, because the Bible says it is by the law that we have the knowledge of what sin is. Mm. And so it wasn't just about fruit. It was about breaking the law of God, which is the character of God, which is really God's love. And uh, we broke his heart and mm. we broke his law. And this is why uh, we're, at where we're, we're at where we're at today. But the beautiful thing is, even though we broke his heart, the heart of God was broken again through his son at the cross and yet it was through the breaking of his heart when he carried our sins yes. that he became our perfect sacrifice that we were then saved. Mm-hmm. And what would have happened if he didn't care for us so much, Pastor, and he didn't come down and didn't sac- sacrifice his son Absolutely, for us, Scotty. for all mankind to be there? And you know, it's amazing, but you know? what you said is that it's true. Remember mm-hmm. this, friends. God himself never had to do what he, what he did. He never had to send his son he never needed to, to offer up his son as a sacrifice for us. He never needed to try and help us. Literally, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, he could have simply wiped them off and started all over again. But here's the thing. Would you do that with your own child? No. Would you want to wipe them out just because they do something wrong? No. They can start over again? Absolutely not. And that's why the Bible says in John three sixteen, mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You see... God didn't send Jesus so that he can love us. He loved us so deeply that he gave Jesus. And this is why Jesus said to to his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus was the fullest expression of the Godhead. You see him and you you saw the character of the Godhead. You saw the character of the Father. Yes. Amen to that, Pastor. Thank you so much for answering that question we're moving on to the next one we have about 
10 minutes left straight from the Bible. If you want to give us a call on Guam, 671-472-1111 or in the CNMI, 670-323-1113. You can text WhatsApp and signal us at 671-686-9999. And we're live on Facebook. Send in your question to the comics section and we'll see it right away. Okay, now our next question is, it's from Matthew 24. When Jesus in the desert, is that his first coming? Okay, great. So read it one more time. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. When Jesus is in the desert, is that his first coming? When Jesus was in the desert. So I'm, I mm-hmm. believe that the person may be referring to... Uh, to when he was tempted? Uh, yes, I believe. It's in Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that he's referring to Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, 26. It says in Matthew 24, well, let's begin with verse uh, 23. Okay. It says, Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, mm-hmm. and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. And then verse 26. Wherefore, they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. I believe that may be what he's referring to in Matthew 24, referring to the the desert. Mm -hmm. Now, no, that's not Christ's first coming. Uh, If we're talking about Christ coming as, as an incarnate human being, then he came, his first coming was when uh-huh. he was born in, uh, in the ma- Bethlehem's manger. And then, of course, his second coming is what we're waiting for when he comes in the clouds. Yes. And so here in Matthew 24, Jesus is now referring to his second coming. And he's explaining some of the signs that we are to look for and some of the dangers to be aware of right before he comes. And one of the things that he says to be careful of is that there are going to be people that will say, I am Christ, that they will say, it's me, I'm Jesus. And so, you know, Scotty, believe it or not, even today, uh, there are at least maybe four to six people that I know of, uh, at least that I've kind of read about, who consider themselves actual Jesus mm-hmm. or the Son of God. There's much more than that. Uh, but I know there's one from, from I believe, Ukraine, uh, there's one from, I believe, somewhere in Africa. Uh-huh. Uh, there was one from the United States. He passed away already. And uh, several others. Yeah, one in the Philippines and one here and one there. And so Jesus is saying that when he comes back, there's going to be a, a way that you'll know that it's him that sets him apart from all of these false Christs. And we'll read on. It says in verse 27, how do we know? For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Mm. When Christ comes back, he's not going to come back in secret, and he's not going to come back in the desert Mm -hmm. or in the chamber or in the room or anywhere else. The Bible says, if you read that text and many other verses in the Bible, he will come back from the sky, from the east. So he will descend from the sky, from the east, and it'll be like the flashing of lightning, and he will come from the east even onto the west. So this is how Jesus will come back again the second time. So he will come back by coming back from the sky. As he, the Bible says, the angels sang to the disciples when they were weeping, Mm -hmm. uh, when they were looking up to Jesus, rather, when they were looking up to Jesus ascending up and back to heaven, 
the angel said to them, "Ye men of Galilee, why you why you gaze up?" Right, right. He said, "For this same Jesus, who you see who going up, he will in so like manner come back again, the same way you saw him go up." So the, the angel said, "As you saw him rise up, likewise you will also see him come back down." Yes. And so the sign of his return is that he will come back down from the sky. And the reason why that is so important for you to remember is because I believe we're going to see even more and more people rising up, claiming to be Christ. Now, you have to remember, these people are not going to be, quote unquote, crazy looking. These are not going to be people that you're going to look at. Oh, this guy's insane. Uh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. No. It's, and it's even happening now. There are people who claim to be God, the Son of God, who claim to be Christ, who are who have millions and millions of followers. So these are not just some people that you question about mm-hmm. who roam the streets and you think there's something wrong with them. No, these are people who uh, have legitimately convinced. I'm sorry, who have convinced others, millions, that they are Christ Himself. So the question is, how do we know that they're not Christ? Well, very simple. There are many, many signs, but I'm going to stick to the one that, that was asked here. Yes. Many signs to know that which they're, they're Christ or not. But the one sure way that we'll know they're not Christ is that Christ has said when he comes back, he will come back uh, from the east, from the sky. Mm-hmm. And the angel said he'll come back the same way that he went up. Yes. And that's how you will know that this is truly Jesus. So that means that even if you somebody appears whether in the halls of Congress, or whether on the hills of, of, of Timbuktu, or whether in the plains of Africa, if they come and they're not, if they come to be Jesus and they, they're so convincing, but they didn't come from the east, from the sky, yes. then as convincing as they may be, right. we must not believe them because Christ has given us a sign. Thank you for that. Yes. That's so, Scotty, it's been a wonderful study hour. Yes, thank we're, you, Pastor. We're right there. So, mm-hmm. uh, Scotty, maybe you can close in prayer for us, please. Yes, sir. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for straight from the Bible. And thank you for guiding us. And thank you for the listeners. We ask for blessings on our listeners. And please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you so much. This is Pastor Masik and Scotty. We want to wish you a good night. And may God bless you. Thank you. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them at online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.